The text that I am going to be using uh, for the sermon this morning is our first lesson, and this is from Psalm 126. When the Lord changed Zion's circumstances for the better, it was like we had been dreaming. Our mouths were suddenly filled with laughter. Our tongues were filled with joyful shouts. It was even said at that time among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are overjoyed. Lord, change our circumstances for the better. Like dry streams in the desert waste, let those who plant with tears reap the harvest with joyful shouts. Let those who go out crying, carrying their seed, come home with joyful shouts, carrying bales of grain. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I remember having to um, explain the premise of the Star Wars series to a friend of mine who, not in her right mind, had never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Now, I know I have a, I have a friend from seminary. He's a big Star Trek fan, and that, I don't care. Uh, Star Wars is better, and I will fight you over it. Um, but I was trying to explain the way in which everything came about, like why the first three movies are really the, were, were made later than the last three or the, you know, the five, four, five, and six and all of that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I said, I said, well, first of all, all the movies start the same way. A long time ago, in a galaxy far away. And I said, but these are movies that were made in the past, set in the future from now, about a past that has yet to happen or that already happened in some cases. Easy to follow, right? This passage that from Psalm 126 is kind of like that. It's a psalm written a long time ago, looking at the past and longing for the future. Now, the Hebrew is very simple, but sometimes we lose, we can lose some of the clarity, and no more so than in this psalm. Has the Lord already restored Zion's fortunes? Were we, you know, like dreamers once upon a time? Or are we pleading with the Lord to restore those fortunes? Are we longing for the day when our mouths will be filled with laughter. It's strange, but it's both. You see, in the Hebrew outlook on time, as well as God's involvement down here, it's always looking forward and backward. Bless you. Is that a subtle way of telling me I have to stop my sermon? <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a, a little boy in one of my churches that I served. Um, he, was, he was a stickler for time. And, uh, and, and so when it got time that I needed to be wrapping up my sermon, he would raise his hand and he'd do like this. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But then he got to the point where I wouldn't pay attention to him because I was looking down. And then he, he had an electronic watch and he would set it to go off. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> I appreciated that. This is a, this is a psalm of ascent. That is, it's a, a, a psalm of, of pil- for the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And it reminded the people of what God had done and how God had acted definitively for God's people. And then it called forward a future of God's continued provision and action. You see, they were, being, they were, were going to Jerusalem and they were waiting for the day and hoping for the day when all people, all nations, all races, everyone would come to Jerusalem and live together in this new creation. This thinking about the past and dreaming of the future is what we, what we all do. It is in that past of God's provision and action before that anchors us solidly to what we can expect from the future. And this is biblical hope. It isn't wishing upon a star for a better tomorrow. It isn't waiting for the good old days to return. It's seeing how God has acted in the past, God's habits, God's heart, so we know what to ask for and what to look for. So we're we're invited to be dreamers. But not like you think, however. There was a book that I, I read in middle school one time. It was called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, now, there is a movie by the same name, but it's, it's quite different from the book. Still pretty good. But in this, it tells the story of an aging Walter Mitty who's on a trip into town with his wife. Now, Walter is inept at many, many things. He's an absent-minded driver. He can't handle simple mechanical tasks, and he forgets things very easily. But what makes Walter exceptional is his imagination. So while Walter goes through a day of ordinary tasks and errands, he escapes into these series of romantic fantasies, each spurred on by some mundane reality. As he's driving his car, he imagines he is commanding a Navy hydroplane through this terrible storm. When he rides past a hospital, he imagines he's a world-famous surgeon saving a VIP's life. When he hears a newsboy shouting about a trial, he imagines he's a crack shot being interrogated in the courtroom. And as he waits for his wife to finish at the hairdressers, Walter sees pictures of German planes, and he imagines he is a, a British pilot willing to sacrifice his life for his country. And lastly, as Walter waits outside against a wall for his wife to buy something in the drugstore, he fantasizes that he's a bold and brave man about to be shot by a firing squad. And the story ends with Walter Mitty awaiting his death. The thing is, is that we're not escaping reality in our dreams like Walter did. In the Bible, the dream isn't like a wild imagination. 
Although God does promise to provide us beyond anything we can dare imagine, it isn't our fondest hope or what rattles around in our minds during sleep. Because let's think about a dreamer from the Bible. We go back to Genesis and to Joseph. He had a dream of his brothers bowing down to him. And likewise, in the same story, Pharaoh dreamed about Egypt going through periods of abundance and periods of lean times. See, dreaming is not looking into a crystal ball. It's not reading tea leaves or tarot cards. It's more like looking, looking into the just opening sky to the unseen future so that we can know how to go forward and how to trust in God and each other and how to live in hope. All of this is rooted in God's work in the world of new creation. Because of the past, because of God's faithfulness in the past, the psalm says that we can look forward to God's good future. This isn't a psalm saying that everything, everyone has to get their act together and get things right. Rather, God gives us a dream. God gives us a visual pledge of what God will do. This dream looks like sowing seeds for a harvest. It's sowing tears for a harvest of joy. It's sowing sorrow and reaping laughter. It's sowing pain and despair and hauling in a bounty of healing and hope. So what dream is God showing today? What is God's good future for you, for this church, for this community, for the world, and even for the entire cosmos? It may be hard to see today. There is so much pain and division, hatred, oppression, war, and the list goes on and on. And it's difficult to see anything good coming out of all of this. Well, my friends, the dream that God gives isn't a bad news-free world. But it's a place of justice. It's a place of mercy. It's a place of hope. It isn't trying to avoid pain and sorrow. Rather, we embrace those things as seeds for a new life. It reminds me of an old hymn that we used to sing when I was a child. Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness. Waiting for the harvest. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. But that last stanza resonates for me today. Going forth with weeping, sowing for the master. Though the loss sustained, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, he will bid us welcome. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Let it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.